Happy uh, Genocide Day. Happy Genocide Day. Happy Day of Mourning. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Got you with that one, didn't I? Ooh. Who, me? Yeah. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, what, what what we call the last Thursday in November. Yeah, it's just that, last Thursday in November. It's the last Thursday in November. <sighs> and we just got back from a pre-Thanksgiving trip to visit my family. Before the recommendation of not going anywhere to visit your family. Yeah, I think that was kind of, like intentional though right because we were like "Eh, people are probably gonna be wiling out and trying to travel a bunch yeah yeah i was definitely thinking about that we had talked about my family lives in minnesota i think we've talked about that if you're new to the podcast um my little brother lives in minneapolis my parents live in northern minnesota just in a rural place um and uh poposki minnesota proper Mm -hmm. but um yeah we've talked about going back there it doesn't seem like the pandemic is letting up anytime soon no so it seemed like oh it might be nice to go see your family my family since uh we just don't know what that's gonna look like in the next coming years year years would you say years probably years i feel like yeah i was listening to a podcast with um some kind of virology expert that was saying yeah covid at least in the u.s is gonna be like a thing thing probably or at least kind of like it's been recently yeah until probably like 2023 2024 yeah i think that's probably Um, good to have a realistic expectation of what that's gonna be like it's most likely gonna be something that's kind of gonna be with us yeah you know humankind for the rest of humankind Mm -hmm. probably not quite to this like severity Mm -hmm. um but so yeah, we were talking about when would be good to go home. When we booked our flights, things were looking pretty positive um, case-wise, right? So we booked yeah. our flights at a time when, um, A, they were really cheap. So yes, that was part of our reasoning too, was the flights got incrementally more expensive the closer to certain holidays they got. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, we wanted to revisit deer hunting, and that would have been the right time to go deer hunting. Yeah, that we were there for the beginning of the season. And when I was really, the last And time? I really wanted to be not anywhere in particular for the election. Yeah. Mayhem, because I, I just found it really upsetting and uh, annoying to be around people of any kind. Yeah. So we planned to be in the middle of nowhere, close to the Canadian border. Yeah. We were, <laughs> that wasn't intentional, on my part at least, but yeah. I you guess said that wasn't? Wasn't, no. What wasn't? Being close to the Canadian border. Oh, no. I'm just, I Joking. was just using that as a framing for how rural yeah. we were. Yeah. Like, we were up there. Way up there. Um, Is that? What were you going to ask? Oh, sorry. I was going to ask about that siren, because I wasn't sure if it was hearing um so yeah that was part of what went into our planning and then you know and talking to my family about if they felt safe and comfortable with us doing that i think we determined that we were gonna do like a test here in la i guess we can talk a little bit about like what went into traveling during covid Yeah. yeah because i mean i think a lot of people are doing it today and this weekend maybe more by car many by plane but people despite recommendations are choosing to be 
with families or people they're not quarantining with, which like, I, whatever. I don't know. I don't find this holiday to be worth all that, but no, um, I guess it's a tradition that resonates for a lot of people for some reason and they're going to choose to do what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's no mandate. There's just a recommendation. Yeah. Um, but okay, before we get into that, probably the, wait, where are we going? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Probably what? It's gone. <laughs> um, so we chose to, we decided, uh, while talking amongst mostly my mom, um, that we were going to do a test before we got on the plane, hopefully testing negative, which we did. Yeah. And we've, we've basically been like, we've been the same since March. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even more, I feel like prior to leaving, even more like strict and closed down. Except for you, I guess, like maybe slightly less because you're biking a lot and you are going on some social outings. Yeah, all, all the social outings are masked outdoors though yeah. and sharing statuses yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, trying to be as safe as possible. And it's, yeah, one person, not like a yeah, group a of group. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been pretty much doing the same thing the whole time, which honestly sucks in some ways because <laughs> it's getting old. But this mm-hmm. idea of like fit, uh, quarantine fatigue or whatever they're calling it is, I don't know, it's its real, but it's like, well, what, what other option? I don't know. I don't feel like there's any viable other option besides. I don't, I think there are, like, I think you can, you can socialize and be smart about it. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, do it outside like Mm -hmm. it's been um scientists have been saying like outside has a low risk like stay masked Mm -hmm. like you can go for a walk you can go for a hike with like one or two people Mm -hmm. um and that's not a problem yeah you know you're right it's just harder to and um yeah just keep getting tested too and Mm -hmm. it's just you know we can't do maybe the same scale or types of activities we used to i mean in minnesota you can apparently oh, yeah. like it's wide so open let's talk about that well it was wide open it was wide open but you know la like well i guess you can now you can kind of go to outdoor restaurants and mm-hmm. shit like that but mm-hmm. yeah so so we got our t- uh, our second test then when we got to minneapolis a few days after and honestly in talking to like when we were talking to my brother about it it really dawned on me in that conversation that if we were being perfectly safe we would have waited five days to take that test because that is like the gestational period. Say we had gotten infected on the plane. Um, We tested like maybe two or three days after we got to Minneapolis, which might not have been detectable, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably the safest though is like a full quarantine. It's like two weeks. Yeah, that's what we should have done. But yeah, I mean, time-wise and logistic-wise, I mean, again, like in talking with um, my mom and my brother... My dad wasn't really part of the conversation. I hope he felt okay with it. He didn't say anything about it. But, um, yeah, we decided that this would be fine and fair that we did. Everyone uh, felt comfortable. Everyone felt comfortable with, like, yeah, the inherent risks, the the attempt at safety and the inherent risks since you could never really know, right? Mm -hmm. So we took another test, and then we went to Duluth, Minnesota, Um I guess on election night, because I just, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't want to really get into that too much, but. Oh, we don't have to. Um, where are we going from there? Okay, so we got, we, we got there, we got tested. Um, then we headed up 
to your parents' house after yeah. we got our results from that. Yes, yeah, so we got our negative results from that. We're at our parents' house. But the thing that we noticed when we were... We were kind of poking around Minneapolis because we've been talking... I don't remember if we've mentioned this on the podcast. We've been talking about that as a possible place to move when we, um, you know, want to leave Los Angeles, which is, I think, something we both want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about Minnesota because it seems like a good climate catastrophe refuge type of place. Um, that's something I think about. Um, you were looking at, like, mountain biking stuff there. Not that there's great mountain biking, but... Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I think my main consideration with it is the same as you, climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I think also moving somewhere where I know people is really important to me socially. Um, that's just something that I find comforting and comfortable. Um, so we were kind of poking around and uh, just going to outdoor places, getting takeout food, um, what else did we do in Minneapolis? Walking. We just kind of walked around a lot of parks. Yeah. Outdoor shit. Basically. Oops. And noticed that they, we, we noticed within a few days that like people don't wear masks at all outdoors. There, yeah. Which was, is very different than Los Angeles. Yeah. Here it's like the majority of people you see have masks on. Or if you. Or they will put them on mm-hmm. before they like cross your path or whatever. So it was definitely weird being in a zone where there was so many, such more lax restrictions than what we've been experiencing for eight or nine months here. Yeah, bars are open, mm. restaurants are open. Yeah, we went to a restaurant for takeout. They were like, are you sure you don't want to sit inside? They were like, <laughs> kind of trying to like pressure us to sit inside. We Not like, all of them, though. The no. Jamaican spot we went to was, was no seating yeah, inside. Yeah, no, they had no seating. But the majority of places looked yeah. kind of like wide open. Which is in part because they had they never had like a major spike until pretty much when we got when there. We, got there. <laughs> we literally flew, but you know, we'd obviously gotten our tickets weeks before and then kind of flew into them as they were spiking for the first major time in Minnesota. And it seems like there's a, a lot of people, there's not like a, um, a state mandate to wear masks outside, which isn't the biggest deal. That's not like the biggest place where transmission happens, right? But I mean, we're just so used to doing it here that it seemed kind of shocking. Yeah, people were we looking were, like, at us like proofs. Yeah. people were looking at us like we were crazy for walking around in our masks. And yeah, we, like- <laughs> we definitely got a lot of looks. Like it was super weird, um, and some just something that we noticed and. Yeah, and then we went to my parents' house and what started practicing with the guns, I guess. We were helping my dad fix his shop had collapsed, his like workshop had collapsed under the weight of really heavy snow a few years ago. So we were trying to help him um rebuild the roof. Rebuild on that. the roof on that, which was an adventure. We won't get into it this time. <laughs> and Tembo was also um what, shooting some guns with him? Yeah, we were just sighting, sighting, and I guess it was kind of like a family affair. Your dad went out, your mom went out, your brother went out when he ended up getting up there. So your dad and I were like sighting in like all the rifles. Yeah. Or just checking them to see how their accuracy was. Um, And then on deer opener, we went out all together that day. Went out and had a tromps in the, had it snowed then or was Mm -mm. it? No, no, still no snow yet. It didn't snow until the day that you ended up getting the deer, I think, was mm-hmm. the first snow, and that's why it was so crunchy, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about what the your hunting experience was like? Um, I think, when was that? That was maybe like the 
third day third of hunting? Third or fourth day. Fourth, maybe fourth day It was getting hunting. a little discouraging because we weren't seeing that many deer all in all. I mean, we I feel like we did see, like... Running deer. We, we saw a fair amount of deer, and there was a lot of, like, evidence of activity. Like, there was a lot of deer trails, droppings, like, Rooting. signs that they were around. Yeah. But, yeah, I think towards, like, the fourth day, fourth day, like, we hadn't really, like had any really good opportunities to um, take a shot. So, yeah, I was kind of like, eh, kind of just... You let it go. Yeah, let let go of... Yeah, I, was, I mean, that's kind of like, I guess, my approach in general to hunting is I try not to have too much of a Huge attachment to an outcome. Yeah, it's just like what I, I really enjoy about it is like walking around in nature, basically. That's why mm-hmm. I like... Sitting in the deer stands is really not enjoyable for yeah. me because it's like I don't want to sit still. Like what I, the what draws me to hunt a part of what draws me to hunting, or at least spot and stock hunting is the style that I really like. Mm. Is like tracking and like yeah, just learning the land and the environment that you're in and being able to <clears throat> walk around and see tr- like traces and marks of whatever you happen to be hunting and it's it's also like if you don't see anything it's fine too you got to like go out and really like spend spend some time like in the environment learning the land learning the the space around like I think after maybe like this first or second day when we tromped around Mm -hmm. like I just started bushwhacking through your parents woods like like, oh I know how to get here vaguely like this one land point this other land point I'm like kind of like I think we looked it up and like my parents have 160 acres now, and I was like, yeah, but it, it seems so small, and I looked it up, and it's only like a quarter of a mile, a square mile, mm-hmm. so it's really a small, acreage is like a really small, um, it's a really small plot, actually, but I get lost out there all the time, so <laughs> I, I just like, especially when all the leaves are falling, I don't know, there's just, it's very like gray and bleak looking in November, it was, there's a lot of like beauty to be found, there's a lot of lichens, and mushrooms and moss. There was actually a lot of cool stuff. So many like puffball puff mushroom, yes. mushrooms. That was the first time I've ever seen puffball uh, puff mushrooms yes. in person. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't follow Tempa's Instagram, you should. Because <laughs> he made a really funny nature porn documentary mockumentary about David Attenborough. Boy. And puffball mushrooms. Yeah. But there's a lot going on. It's really beautiful. Um, to be in the woods at that time, I always liked November. It's like weirdly bleak, but like beautiful in that. Yeah. But I get lost really easily. I got lost the one day we were sitting in the stand and I was like, well, I'll do a big circle and I'll try to rush um, the deer out towards you. Got super lost. Not super lost, but like a little lost. And the only way I could find my way back to you is this like one pine tree. We were in this hunting stand in the maple grove. Um, which is where all these maple trees grow on my parents' land that they tap every year. But there was just, like, one or two pine trees, and that's the only way I could find you back. <laughs> but it was cool. It was, like, I don't know. I really love getting that kind of, like, intimacy and knowledge of the of the land, too. Yeah, absolutely. When you start to notice landmarks that are, like, subtle but really helpful, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, my, I guess after that first day, kind of my routine was, like, I'd wake up and... Um, we were living in a little tiny house. A little tiny house that your parents have, kind of like 
it's like on the border of where it goes from like woods to kind of like a field area um where they they someone grows hay on it you're saying yeah they some some uh i was gonna say country boys (laughs) (laughs) some country boys come by in this in the, the autumn or something and bale the hay from the field it used to be my great uncle's field and then my dad bought it from my great uncle Mm. so this little tiny house sits like right on the border there so like i've maybe spent like half an hour in the morning like sitting in the window there and um watching for deer coming out of the woods like if it had it was kind of warm when we first got there but if it had been like pretty snow like covered in snow then a lot of the um plants that they eat in the woods are not as accessible to them so they are kind of forced out into the field to look for food yeah because the long grass kind of pushes up through the snow yeah that's like a good zone where they'll come like early morning um evening as the sun's going down to feed yeah two years ago when we also tried hunting we saw a lot of deer in that area Mm -hmm. but it was snowier and colder then yeah way more snowy Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was like 70 degrees when we were in Minnesota. It was fucked up. It was weird, yeah. It was really messed it up. It eventually went down, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, so after just kind of like watching through that window for a while, then I would kind of go out in the woods and um, like how you were saying, like <clears throat> getting the lay of the land and stuff like that. Like I would go down kind of like some path, some trails that your dad had made and then I'd find like a deer deer trail and I just follow that and like mm-hmm. that was I feel like that was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. kind of like helped me um, get a sense of the space yeah get a good sense of the space because it's it was also like I don't know from like a more technical I don't know if it's that technical but technical aspect like there was a lot of like leaves that are on the ground so like the deer trails were the ground was much more compact there. So like when you're stepping, the leaves don't crunch nearly as mm-hmm. much. So the sound doesn't give you away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I felt like, I don't know. I felt like maybe that made it like a little easier. If, if I were to happen upon a deer mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that, I would had less chances of like alerting it to my presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there was the first time that you shot at some deer and I guess let's talk about what that was like, and then the process of like what it means to like ethically hunt and make sure you didn't hit a deer mm, that you yeah. that you have to track then and make sure all that. So that was like from the tiny house, and um, there were we saw maybe like we saw two deer. That, I had walked out to try to do a flush. Mm-hmm. But right. Before that, two we saw two deer kind of coming mm-hmm. from the highway, um, so. If you can imagine, we're sitting in this tiny house. There's a big field out in front of us straight from the window. To the right is, like, the highway. It's, like, a two-lane road. And then field right in front of us. And then to the left is the forest. Mm -hmm. So they were running from kind of maybe somewhere across the road through the field and then into the woods to the left. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw two deer going into the woods from right to left. And then Jenny went out to see... Uh, if she could flush any, if there were any others off to the right or flush those ones back in from the woods. Um, and I saw another deer, uh, run that very same direction and waited there some more, some more. And then another one came and this one didn't bolt like all the way across the field. Like they move for me, at least 
I wouldn't feel confident taking a shot on like a move deer like sprinting. They're kind of quick. Mm-hmm. Maybe some other people feel better about that. I don't but think it's I'm like, uh, I'm still like, no. <laughs> I'm still like, you know, learning. You're not learning my, <laughs> learning how to shoot and all of that. So <clears throat> this one, like slowed down, stopped. It was like eating some grass and then, like walking slowly. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is my chance. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, so it stopped and, uh, I took a shot at it. It like kind of moved. Like I didn't, definitely didn't hit it. Cause it was just kind of looking around. It was like, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sat still kind of like looked around. I took another shot, tried to get it. And it like looked right at me. Cause it was like, oh, that's where that noise is coming from. And I tried another one and missed it. And then it bolted. <laughs> and as um, that happened, I was about to climb up a deer stand. And on your first shot, I like grabbed the ladder and it broke in my hand and I fell to the ground. And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I guess he's uh, shot a deer. So I'll just head back to the tiny house. Then you ran mm. out or came out. Yeah, I came out. They, they were all misses because it was a little bit too far of a shot for the gun that I had. Yeah. Um, so we walked into the woods a little but bit. Just to yeah, just to make sure that you know, it was I didn't like wound it or hit it, and you know, because depending on where you hit an animal, you can even shoot it through the heart, and it will still um, still has the ability to like run a little farther than you think. Mm-hmm. Something the that, adrenaline. Yeah, gets hit, shot in the heart, or even sometimes even the head. Yeah. Um, so we went out to the field to see if we could find any blood trail at all. Um, we looked around a bunch in the woods, and then we went back to the house. And my dad met us. And was yeah. like, are you sure you didn't hit it? And then we went back and, and we looked we all at- went back out and combed <laughs> the area, combed the woods, mm-hmm. and... Nothing. Nothing. No blood, no, no obvious signs of injury. Um, and then I want to say that it must have been the next day, or the was day it? after. Yeah, I think it was like maybe the day after... Were you getting up early every morning and just kind of look looking out the window? Um, I don't know what time it was. It was kind of, yeah, I think it was when the, because the sun was on its way up pretty much every day when I got up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was probably like almost seven o'clock or seven o'clock-ish up there. Um, and yeah, the, the day that I actually got a deer, um... I got up, did my routine, like, sat in front of the window for a while, and it was, like, it was, like, extra cold that night. Yeah, we were cold that night. I think because the 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 heater had gone out. The pilot light had gone out. Pilot light had gone out We had switched. Yeah, we had, like, propane tanks or something that we had switched, but we couldn't figure out how to relight the the furnace that we were using. The heater had, like, a finicky pilot light that... Yeah. We hadn't been shown how to relight that. Yeah, your dad was, like... Intending to show us, and then we got distracted on something, and it never happened. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a really chilly morning, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to go out in the woods today and, like, yeah. have a walk around, but it's like, you know what? I'm out here. Fuck it. I might as well. Like, yeah. So I Were put, you feel, getting, like, kind of, like, oh, I'm not going to get a deer at that point? 
Yeah, I was just kind of like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but whatever. And we didn't have a lot of time left, but we had a little extra time because my brother was going to come join us at my parents' house later than he had thought. So that bought us a couple extra days, I guess, of hunting, too. Otherwise, we would have left like that day or the next day, I think, was our initial plan. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't completely like, uh, thought it wasn't going to happen because there was just, there were so many signs signs that there were a lot of deer like moving around kind of in the areas that I had been and we had been, Mm -hmm. um, checking out. Yeah, you wanted me to taste the poop to see if they were, if it was fresh. (laughs) Well, that was more of a joke. (laughs) I put my hand up to it to see if it was warm. If there was heat there, yeah. Yeah. Um... So that morning I went to this area, the, the tree stand that, um, Genevieve that I broke, broke um, cause there was, there was a decent amount of signs that there had been deer like moving around mm-hmm. there. And, um, this was, I guess, yeah, the night before it had been snowing. So I had like walk to get to this place. You kind of walk through the field a little bit and then you go left into the woods and it's not too far from the tiny house at all. A three-minute um, walk. But there I found, um, I don't know what it's called, but there's like... The rutting? Yeah, rutting, where like, yeah, a buck will kind of like scrape the ground with its antlers and its and its hooves and... It's marking its territory. Marks its territory. So there was like one of those there. There was like two or three different like deer trails that were kind of in that area. Um, and I think a few days before one of those I followed and, um, had gone off. So I was like, my plan was, I was like, I was, I'm just going to go. It's not that far. I'm going to go to where the deer stand is. I'm not going to go in the deer stand cause it looked kind of janky to me the first day I went <laughs> in it. Genevieve, like the next day tried to climb it and broke it. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I'm just going to like, I'll just stand underneath it, like by the tree there and see what happens. And I don't know. I was probably like 50 feet away from the deer stand and I'm just crunching in the snow. I'm like, God, if there's anything, any animals even in the woods here, they're going to hear me like coming from like so far away. So I like just stopped to listen for a hot second and I heard more crunching and I was like, there's either, like, a person out here mm-hmm. or it's a deer. Because, like, the crunching was loud enough, like, it had to be something that weighed, like, a decent amount of weight. Um, and so they, they have white-tailed deers there, and they're, like, roughly the same weight as humans. Like, I think your dad said, like, from, a ho- like, 100 to, like, 200 pounds, uh-huh. something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so when I stopped, I heard crunching for maybe, like, two seconds and then it stopped i was like some shit's out here Mm. um and at that point i was like right next to there was like a tree that had fallen down next to me like a really thin like young tree so it wasn't like a big log or anything i was just like okay i'm gonna like step up on this so i don't crunch any more snow and luckily there was like a vertical tree right there um, that I could kind of like brace my hand mm. and my rifle against. Mm. I just like sat there and sat there and maybe like 15 minutes went by and I was like, 
okay, whatever it is, maybe it, like, went a different way. I didn't realize you stood for so long. No, yeah, I stood there for a while. Mm. And then I heard the crunching again, like, Mm. right before I was like, uh, maybe I'll go back. Mm. And uh, heard the crunching again. I was like, oh, shit. And it was, like, getting louder. I was like, okay. And I couldn't couldn't quite figure out which direction it was coming from. And finally, like, uh, it got close enough that I, like, got a directional hit on it and, like, looked off to kind of, like, diagonal in front of me to my left and I could see like a deer moving like between the trees and like the trees there like not like crazy thick but thick enough that you can't see that far like away from you in um in most spots unless there's like some kind of like little bit of a clearing or the trees are like really thin Mm -hmm. um I don't know how far it was for me maybe like I would say probably between like 50 and 75 yards away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was walking towards me. So I was just like, oh shit, is this about to happen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it kept walking. It was walking really, it would take like a couple steps and stop and like look around. It smelled you. And then Mm -hmm. I think because it probably heard me crunching too. Like when I stopped. You guys were doing the same thing. It walked like two seconds and immediately stopped when it realized that the other thing it heard had stopped. Mm. So, I I mean, I imagine that's why it stood still for like 10, 15 minutes to see if I would start walking again. Yeah, it's a real long game survival out there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean... It pays to be super cautious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I just kind of kept waiting. Like, it, I knew it was, like, in range, um, but I was just kind of waiting for, like, when, uh, I guess, on, like, an undulate, the area you're aiming for on most of them, like, a deer is kind of, like, uh, let's see, so the front legs and then, like, the, sh- the shoulder of the front legs and like just behind the shoulder area of the front legs is kind of where like the lung heart area is so that's like a pretty good um kill zone if you hit it there um so it's waiting for like that area to be like unobstructed from trees or like little bushes and it got there and i took the shot And through the scope, I kind of saw it, like, do, like, it bolted, but it did, like, this weird circle. Usually deer don't do that. If they're spooked, they just run straight away. It just Mm. bolt. But this one, like, did this donut. Mm. And I was like, okay, I hit it. I definitely hit it. Yeah. Um, And then when you go from, like, the scope to, like, your regular eyes, it's really, you're like, I lost it. Hmm. Um, like I, I saw movement, but I couldn't quite tell where it went. Um, cause you know, there's so much, tr- all those trees and those bushes. It's like, if it was completely clear and something was moving, you'd like instantly be able to track it. Um, so at that point I was like, just super paranoid that I hit it and then lost it. Cause I'm like, fuck, I really hope I didn't wound it or hmm. like. You know, yeah, it's going to lose this animal that I just fucking stressful. shot. <laughs> I feel like, stressful. I feel like big game, I mean, hunting is stressful. Big game hunting is really stressful. There's this, like, stakes of, like, injuring an animal and having it go bleed out somewhere. It's fucked up, you know? Yeah, because, I don't know, they, yeah, my, the whole point of me doing this is that I want 
more ethical food and I want yeah. to hunt in the most ethical way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just had a lot of, like, anxiety about, like, either wounding it and mm-hmm. losing it or, like... It's a big responsibility. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I kind of, like... Tried to calm myself down and like all the the literature I'd reading been reading about hunting and stuff is like you just like make a mark at the last place you saw it. So mm-hmm. I like walked to that spot. I like picked up a, a twig, a branch I found on the ground and like made a marker. Mm-hmm. And then kind of what you're supposed to do is uh, you do a spiral mm-hmm. like circles out from that area. Mm-hmm. Um so I just marked it really quick, and then I kind of, from there, walked in the direction I thought I saw it go, and couldn't find it, couldn't find any tracks, couldn't find any blood, and I was like, oh, shit. I was, like, really starting to, like, did I just, like, fuck this whole thing up? <laughs> like, walked back to where I put that, like, original, like, anchor stick, and, like, I was like, okay. Looked back to where I was, looked at where the anchor was, looked at the direction I thought it went, and then kind of just was, like just slowly like looking around from that spot and then I saw like like a mass kind Mm -hmm. of like in this spot where there was like kind of more grass growing than like bushes and I was like holy shit is that it and like walked over there and sure enough there was the buck so how far was it from where you were standing when you shot do you think that from where from where I shot to where I hit it where you found it uh, I'm not sure. I think from where I hit it to where it ran was probably... 100 yards? 200? No, some less than 20 feet. Oh, okay. okay. So it did not... Yeah, it was. It didn't go very far okay. at all. But it's just hard to see out there. It's Everything's really the hard. same color yeah. as deer. Like, everything's deer colored. <laughs> and Especially after the snow. Yeah, all the bushes, all the little trees, mm-hmm. all the, like... It's chiplins and really, yeah. like... After, like, 25 feet, like, when you get start getting up into, like, 40, 50 feet away from you, yeah. shit just starts, like, really blending in together. Yeah, it's a camouflage. Um, so then, uh... uh then... Well, then, uh, yeah, I hit it, and then um, Genevieve's dad was telling us, like, if you end up shooting a deer, after you shoot it, you have to slit its throat and, like, bleed, uh, it, out. bleed, bleed it out. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like, this that helps prevent... Um, gamey meat. Yeah, the meat from getting gamey. Um, and that was, like, that was interesting and kind of gnarly to, like... Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, for, I mean, first I, like, sat down with it for, like, a little bit, and then I was just, like, you know, thanking it for giving its life for to me. And um, it's just, yeah, a very surreal experience, because... It's yeah, a big it's, animal. It's, it's the same size as you. It's a lot, yeah, it's a lot bigger than, like, the hares that mm-hmm. I've previously hunted. Um, and, yeah, you know, like... It's a beautiful All those animal. animals, yeah, yeah they're, they're all... Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. And it's just kind of like, wow, this is, like... This is how we eat. This is a, <laughs> yeah, this is an intense moment. It's like, reality. this is, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Yeah, from there, uh, I came and got you at the tiny house. Yes. I think you were still asleep, I was right? still asleep. I didn't even hear the shot. I slept through all that, but... 
Yeah, you were like, I shot the deer, but I slit its throat, and I don't know if I slit it good enough. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. It's not, uh, to me, I mean, maybe that's like movies and shit. You know, you see movies and someone like slits someone's throat and instantly it's just like gushing blood out. I think it's movies. Yeah, that's not what happened. (laughs) No, so we walked back. We went, I don't, I don't think I really hit an artery or a vein really well the first time I did it mm-hmm. though but when we went back together mm-hmm. and then you got the artery yeah we got it a little more and then it was like well, okay there's told, like a little more blood pouring you told out, me you were but, like hacking at it and it felt weird which is understandable yeah because it's yeah weird to hack in living <laughs> beings throat that's like yeah there is something to be said for like the mammals with eyes like us kind of thing right like we've talked about on this show. Yeah. Like, it's, it's... It's... Me, personally, I don't think I would want to do it myself, but I understand wanting to for, like, the longer game of it all. Yeah. You know? The longer game being that it's more ethical, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, ultimately... To take that one life than the, than I, the yeah. lives that are, like, sacrificed at the behest of massive meat farming and agriculture i I feel like i personally would rather do that and butcher it and go through all the process than Mm -hmm. like having yeah beings living in fucking cowschwitz or some other like factory farm well and we're so disconnected everyone everyone disconnected most people are so disconnected from those processes and when you have to connect with the fact that you killed this meat this and this being this animal this beautiful being is going to be providing to you. I just think there's so much more gratitude for that, and yeah, it's a lot, a lot more respect, and yeah, connection to your own life, mm-hmm. connection to that being's life, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just yeah, the our agricultural system is just so yucky. Like mm-hmm. factory farming is fucking gross. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's not. It's not like I've said so many times here it's not just animals it's the plants we mm-hmm. grow too because we're just as fucked up to the plants mm-hmm. that we grow as we are to like the pigs that are mm-hmm. you know and the biome that supports the plants you know yeah it's it's yeah it's not it, with yeah with plants it's not just not just the plant beings it's like all the, all the microbes and all those beings that live in the soil mm-hmm. that can't live there when you're like flooding it with fucking petroleum-based mm-hmm. fertilizers and you're like monocropping. Let's not get too deep into that. We don't have to get too deep into that. Um, but, so, so then you, uh, I, I texted my dad because I just wanted him to come confirm and walk us, confirm the throat slit because even after you slit the throat, there wasn't that much blood coming out still. So we were nervous that like yeah. not enough blood was coming out. So he came out. I think with that four wheeler. I think that aspect's really interesting because I think movies have really kind of like warped like our, you know, thought on like blood. Because I I I know like when we were. Uh, processing the rabbits Mm -hmm. it was like wow that's not really not that much blood and when we were processing the deer too Mm -hmm. i was like wow that's really not that much blood it's like sure i'm sure movies through movies it's like this exaggerated so you were expecting like spraying not spraying but even like when we were gutting it i was expecting like just more blood way more blood yeah which is yeah interesting. interesting I mean, there was definitely a lot, but... (laughs) 
So, uh, my dad came out with a four-wheeler and did, uh, was going to then walk you through the gutting process. Mm-hmm. Um, you said the one part of the gutting process that seemed really weird to you was being, like, elbow deep in this being's, this prior <laughs> being's guts and then having to cut the trachea? Is that what you Yeah. Like so, yeah. I feel like the, yeah, the gnarliest part of it was definitely the gutting because it's, like... I don't know. It's it's an animal as big as we are. Yeah. It's very <laughs> visceral for sure. Yeah, just being at yeah, at one point like after you kind of like cut open the abdomen, um kind of like cut around the genitals and like that's like the way in and then you go up through the abdomen like just cutting through like I don't know whatever the abdominal muscles are into the cavity there and then you kind of go up to the bottom of the sternum um then you have to on the inside like cut around the uh diaphragm so that's kind of really weird to like inside like feeling around like all these organs that are right it's very warm yeah um but yeah the uh after you cut the diaphragm then you have to kind of go or yeah, the the technique that Genevieve's dad was teaching me was like, you go up in, and then you have to cut the esophagus and trachea, and then that Pulls is how you. After that, you can pull all the um, organs out, mm-hmm. and like yeah, that point is you're basically elbow deep in another creature's body, which is very strange. <laughs> I think it's a foreign, definitely a foreign experience for me. Yeah, really, really weird. Because, like, yeah, with the hairs, they're so small that it's not, like, it's, like, you know, it's, like, when you're, like, dressing a turkey or a chicken, it's, like, this little body that's, like, oh, yeah, here's, like, the liver, the heart, the big intestines and everything. And it's, like, all of that can, you can basically hold that in your hand. This thing has much bigger guts than we yeah it's when yeah these organs that are like human sized and or bigger um it's just yeah it's very surreal so then we brought it back uh to the house and you kind of spent the whole day it was cold that day it was yeah my fingers were fucking um, and you spent the day processing it. Um, I took the liver and the heart and I cooked that for us. That's yeah. like a, a typical like first hunter thing too is yeah. to eat the heart, right? Yeah, when we first yeah we first got it there, we uh, hung it up by uh, its back legs and then I skinned it um, and then we let kind of let the meat sit overnight That's so it would right. like firm up. Um, and skinning the skinning part was like pretty i mean it was bigger than anything i've skinned before but i've skinned um animals before like i trapped as a child um so that wasn't really that big of a deal it was like pretty like uh what's the word maybe not intuitive but it was like a familiar familiar thing to skin mm-hmm. um a four-legged mammal yeah um and then, yeah one after you get the skin off, then it's kind of like, you're like, oh, wow, this is like, yeah, the thing at the butcher shop. It's like. Yeah. It's that's, I mean, this is, I've ta- I think we talked about this on the last podcast about the hair hunt is like, I guess I'm sort of obsessed with this moment because I, it's part of our project with sacred sadism 
it's something I find really interesting. Again, is that moment when you're like, oh, I'm elbow deep in a being to that moment when you're like, I'm butchering meat. Yeah. I just find that like that, like I'm always, I'm like, so I'm curious when that happens with plants, when we're like, this is my like lovely friend, the house plant versus this is a, a bouquet, you know, mm-hmm. or this is a being who is just looking at me with its eyes. so like mine with its heart. So like mine to like, and now I'm processing meat. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting. I feel like for most people it's cause plant, I feel like most people have a harder time relating to plant life because it's not it doesn't have eyes they don't have limbs they don't walk around it's just that thing of like when any living thing goes from subject to object yeah but i mean i don't know i just think it's interesting like when in the process do you think the deer became meat Mm. was it after the skin was off was it after the head was cut off like when does that happen you know I mean, I think when the when I fully skinned it, it was, it was like recognizable as like, oh, I see where the cuts. Then it became the where the cuts are going to happen. Uh-huh. But for me, I don't know. It's still alive. It's yeah. still yeah. It was still a living being, mm-hmm. and it's. I don't. I think in my life now, I'm moving to the point where it's you know. There's, I don't think you have to have a hard line. There's things that are, you know, they're all living beings. They're also food. Right. And I think in, I think in more like ancient or indigenous ways of thinking, there wasn't that line at all. And it's, it's, you know, we, we should have respect for our food, the same respect we have for any living thing and if mm-hmm. you treat those things with that respect they're going to be all the more better for you because mm-hmm. you know if you don't give a shit about it and you're feeding your plants gnarly chemical fertilizers or spraying them with weird insecticides or pumping up your meat with crazy antibiotics or fucking genetically modifying them with like to be like plumper and fatter <laughs> um that's not going to be as good for you as something that was like treated with love and respect and reverence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so we, so then you did the butchering. I was surprised when I came upstairs and everything was cut up and in the sink and ready to be processed. But yeah. It, it took a lot of work though, didn't it? It's it took, yeah. So I guess I'm not sure how many hours, but yeah, it was, it was most, it was most of a day to butcher and then we did Um, some like we did some preparing of the hide which i guess my dad is gonna mail to us to or mm -hmm. to me to finish tanning because i'm really interested in tanning techniques what are you gonna make with it buckskin and then i think i'm gonna use some of the like um like leather hardware that we have Mm -hmm. to like fashion some kind of top or maybe shoes or maybe something else. I don't know. I can make a flogger. No. I, I, if, if, I, if there's any I have left, plans. you can use it all? <laughs> Someone down the street makes, you know, buckskin. You can get that too. Chemically processed buckskin is probably going to be better for a flogger than what I'm going to do. What if it's a personal flogger from the deer I shot? I guess. Maybe. It won't take that much. We can talk about it. Didn't my, <laughs> didn't my dad show us like a buffalo flogger, that his, a buffalo tail flogger his friend made? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um... 
So, yeah, then we kind of really, like, whipped through the processing when we were doing it together. We made hamburger, you cut off some roasts, some steaks, steaks. backstraps, yeah. steaks. Um, yeah, I ground up hamburger, and then we froze everything. We didn't think we were going to be able to bring as much meat back as we did, but my dad found us a cooler, and we were able to freeze it and pack it up and check it on the plane, and we have a full freezer full of venison now. Which is awesome. Yeah, we brought almost all of it back. There's still a little bit at your parents' house. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else about that process you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm super grateful for the experience. Like, definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, grateful to your parents for um, having us out there and your dad for sharing, like, his knowledge with us. Yeah, he definitely knows a lot about <clears throat> hunting. He's been doing it for his whole life since he was a teenager and on that land. So he knows that land <laughs> really well, too. Um, do you like Minnesota? Yes and no. Yeah. Go on. I like mountains. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the other day, I, I like, hiked up the tallest mountain here. Well, yesterday. yesterday tallest mountain here in LA in the San Gabriels and just like mountains are fucking beautiful like yeah Yeah, it's so interesting people have very I think very specific connections to certain kinds of land masses topographies Mm. my mom is a really big mountain person and that's her big main complaint about Minnesota is that there are no mountains and I'm a big like water person so I love that everywhere you go in minnesota it's lakes it's lakes and rivers and streams and bodies of water we went to lake superior which is the largest inland lake i mean i I like lakes and streams too you can have mountains and lakes and streams they all go together (laughs) i walked across like two or three different springs yesterday (laughs) i'm not saying they aren't there i'm just saying i don't have the connection to mountains that some people do yeah you know um but i know it's really important to many people to have that certain kinds of topography are like have have tos you know yeah it's just more i guess it's more the things i like to do outdoors wise are more connected to a bit more rugged terrain or vertical terrain like Mm -hmm. i like to mountain bike i like to snowboard Mm -hmm. um so yeah those things are more uh mountain oriented Mm -hmm. but Huh? Anything else about Minnesota? Because we have been considering. I mean, I, I I love tromping around the woods and everything like that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. We couldn't really see Minneapolis because of COVID. Yeah, not so, so much. It was really hard to get a sense of like if that's a city we could see ourselves living in. But it's like it would. I feel like living there now would be about the same as living in LA. It's mm. like, it doesn't matter where you are. Not really. Like, I mean. Minneapolis is weird too. It's been a while since I've been somewhere where people are just like staring at you because you're black too. Mm-hmm. Um, that like that's was that Minneapolis specifically? Oh, that or... was everywhere in Minnesota, but a lot in Minneapolis. <laughs> Which is um, weird because there's a really large black population there, but it's a yeah, very but, segregated city. Yeah, but to we that. were we weren't hanging out in like black areas the whole time. <laughs> well, Cal's neighborhood is. It wasn't happening in Cal's neighborhood. It was happening everywhere else. Yeah, Yeah. downtown, like, uptown, like, the... I thought people were just staring at us because we were wearing masks. There was that, too, but, um, I don't know. 
It's definitely... I don't you know how to describe plan. it. Yeah, yeah, it's... You know you know when it's happening to you. So weird. <clears throat> it's, a, it's such a, like... It's such a, like, mind blindness, you know, from my perspective. But, I can't feel what that is like. Yeah, I feel like the last time that happened to me was probably, like, yeah, when I was living in, like, uh, Salt Lake City. Mm. But, People's just, like, eyes popping out of their head. Yeah. <laughs> weird. I just... I don't know. It's not a great feeling. No. It's, like... Well, but it's also, it's also, it's not like, it's not like, it's, it's also kind of, I don't know, it's not that scary because it's not, the, these are people that are never going to say shit to you, they're just going to kind of look at you weird. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, there's, there's some points where you're like, oh shit, this person might come over and like try to do something to me, but mm-hmm. um there's definitely it's not quite to that point. I mean, and there's definitely a very large conservative population in that state, whatever that means, you know, not to say conservatives are really at the end of the day any more racist than liberals, but they're more willing to show it, right? Or make it apparent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's fully fair to say conservative people are racist because there's a lot of conservative black people. There's a fuckload of conservative black people. That's true. No, you're right. Um, I guess I, I meant white conservatives. Yeah, I think there's there's like a coral there's like a correlation with white conservatives and maybe racism, but I don't think it's like or conservatism and racism, but I don't think it's like a causation mm. thing, but. Yeah, there's there's a parallel for sure, but Yeah, and after I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to move back to Minnesota now after Yeah. <laughs> after all that. I think it's like I kinda come back to LA and I'm like, I like our yard and I like the weather a lot and I don't know, it's like until Even all this oppressive sunlight you complain about? Well hopefully my new sunglasses help me. But I <laughs> do find this I mean, I think I recently self-diagnosed with photophobia, which means a real sensitivity to light. And being home, I definitely recognize it's like my mom wears sunglasses inside all, at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a genetic thing. Um, so I'm trying to mitigate the discomfort I feel with the constant sunshine. 300, what is it, like 350 days a year of sunshine or whatever it is? I think it might be more. More than that, 360 (laughs) days of sunset. Yeah, it's bright here. Maybe it's less. But otherwise, I don't know. I think in a way, I I really love LA. It's just, it really is more of like a long game of like, where should we go to establish a life for ourselves that is going to be maybe a smarter place to be when water becomes more scarce and yeah, wildfires L- persist. LA is not going to Yeah. Be it's um, more around. of like a long game thing, even though I really do, I really do love this city, actually. Yeah. At least a lot of people are moving out of LA. That's nice. Yeah. Keep, keep moving, rich people <laughs> that can afford to move. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about? We cover it for this. No, time. I gotta pee and I'm hungry. Okay, we're gonna make some food. I hope you guys enjoyed your day. Hope you're doing as well as can be wherever you are. In these unprecedented times. Stay that safe. That will continue forever. Get tested. Wear your mask. Yeah. It doesn't. It's hurt not that big of a deal. You <laughs> at all to wear a mask. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K halitosis, cosmic halitosis at gmail.com.
Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps. And Temba is Tembizzle, T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.